Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. Welcome back. Where have they been? Where, where have they been? <laughs> where have they been? <laughs> I don't know. Probably working. Telling three friends. Telling that's, three friends. That's where they've that's, been. That's where I've been. Except I, I've been telling them from six feet away. Hey! 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 <laughs> I was going to mimic putting my hand in front of my face, and then I realized we're a podcast and nobody sees my no face. No one will see it except for me. Welcome back to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. Uh, this is episode 33. Yeah. Wow. We, we're over. We're definitely over the halfway mark, which is great. What have you been recently been playing? Well, Seth, recently I've been playing... Uh, one of the many games in the long line of Tom Clancy Rainbow Six games. Um, I've been playing specifically 2015's Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, which if that was oh, its full name, yeah. like two, 2015's Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, that would be a very long name. Yeah, uh, there's, no, a, there's Tom Clancy has a lot of video games. Tom Clancy does have a lot of video games and a lot of books. Uh, for those who don't know, the original Rainbow Six came out in 1998, and I think it's based on the rainbow six novel which also came out in 1998 i don't know if they were like like one was worked on tan co-tangent with the other like what they did with starship titanic where like a book was being written at the same time as the game was being developed in any case it originally came out in 1998 it was a tactical first person shooter and rainbow six siege is the most recent iteration of this of this uh franchise where it's still an online tactical uh shooter um though you're playing with a group of people taking down terrorists or um yeah pretty much terrorists so as it's as it's a tactical shooter it's not kind of your traditional you know run and gun shooter in the sense that you're running through buildings like blowing people up like in uh like call of duty or something you're you're taking your time and trying to get through the building in a way to avoid, you know, as many casualties on your team while also eliminating a terrorism unit. Um, sometimes you have to defuse bombs. Sometimes you just have to wipe out the, the enemy team. But yeah, I've been playing that with my friends. All of my friends are very new at the game, except for one of us. But So we uh, we are mostly playing through the, like, the starter missions where you're primarily going against uh, AI as opposed, to, as opposed to playing against other people. But we've been having a good time. Yeah, I am... Um... I owned it for a period of time um, where I played Siege and uh, yeah, I got yelled at by the internet. Yeah. And then I stopped owning the game. It's it's a, a fun game if you're into that kind of uh, tactical first person shooter type game and you yeah. can get shot through like doors. I just remember I was in like a, a one room and we were trying to seal it against the people coming in and... We had to shut all the doors, and I was just, like, making sure all the doors were shut, and then I was shot through drywall or something. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the best thing that happened while I was playing, and I'm going to I'm gonna put him on blast here, our artist um, was playing on, uh, on my side. I went into a room, and I cleared it, and he heard gunfires, so he followed in, and he turned the corner and shot me in the head, thinking I was a terrorist, after I had cleared the room, and there were no terrorists. Yep. <laughs> Well, maybe you were a terrorist. I don't know. It was great because it happened right at the beginning of the game. So then I had to sit out through part of the game. <laughs> yeah, because there's no like respawn. There's no there. respawn. No. Yeah. So yeah, you're just dead. Once you're, when dead you're dead. You just kind of watch. Though there's kind of a cool. There's kind of a cool gameplay mechanic where if you leave, uh, there are drones that you can uh, drive around. They're little. Um, they look like little. What are they called? Hoverboard style, like the two wheel driving things. Little drones like that, and you can go under yeah. doors and such. But if you hide one and people don't find it when you die you can actually toggle into um, that drone's camera you can't move it around but you can uh, look around through that drone's camera oh, and that allows oh. you to uh, you can still talk to your team members and kind of communicate if people are like rounding a corner if you see people um, or if maybe if your drone is close to the bomb if you see anyone you know in that area um, so that's a nice little mechanic that they added it kind of gives the person who dies something to do which you know that's not always a thing in video games. Yeah, especially if you're bad at games, you're going to be spending a lot of time in that death screen. Yeah, exactly. But what about you, Seth? What have you been playing recently? Uh, so I've actually been recently been playing a game that I talked about on my Byway Pass segment 
Command and Conquer Remastered. Oh, cool. So it's done by Petroglyph, who's the same developers as like 8-Bit Hordes and 8-Bit Commandos or something. 8-Bit Armies. Yeah. 8-Bit Armies. 8-Bit Armies and 8-Bit Hordes. Command and Con- came out this year. Uh, so they take, uh, they took Command and Conquer and Red Alert and brought it to the modern age. Uh, they updated the FMVs. Oh, cool. Uh, which are the the full motion videos between the missions. Uh, they upgraded the artwork in the game and they actually brought in a lot of different like audio. If you're a big, if you, if you like Command and Conquer, buy this remastered. It was faithfully done and it's a really, really, really a great remaster of Command and Conquer. It's just bringing Command and Conquer to the modern age. You can play all those original levels and be able to the funny thing is that there's like there's this one particular sprite drawing that actually uh people didn't know what it was for the longest time and they thought it was like a crashed alien ship in a map and people just didn't know what it looked like it because it was the graphics were you know that's time that command and conquer originally came out with so they weren't clear so when they made it HD, people were excited to finally find out what it was, whether it was a crashed alien ship or something, and it was a crashed helicopter. So, oh. Um, but, yeah, and I was actually reading about somebody who was playing the game and was very happy that um, there was... So there was a, there's a bug in a, a specific level. There's a glitch where you can actually get a level to be unbeatable, if a certain sequence of events happens and you have to restart the level. So the guy uh, playing the game in 2020 uh, had issues with it and he researched it and found somebody talking about the glitch from the original time that the game came out. Oh, fun. Then like the nineties. So like, he's like, like 30 years have passed between two people getting stuck at the same spot in the game and he's like that's a faithful remaster right you have these two people in two different states in their lives right playing the same game getting stuck in the same exact spot to go onto the internet to complain about it that's awesome and it's just a it's cool um so yeah if you like man and conquer I definitely recommend the remaster. It really helps pull things. It just helps bring life back into uh, the series. Now, uh, I know it's not part of the... Because re- the remaster is just the first two games, right? It's uh, Tiberian Dawn and uh, Red Alert. Tiberian Sun. Tiberian Sun, yeah. Yeah, Red Alert. And so it's the original Command & Conquer with the expansion and the then the Red Alert with the expansion. Yeah. And that's it. So those two games with their expansion packs... Um, I don't know if they're going to be remastering more of the Command and Conquer. I mean, some of the Command and Conquer has come out recently. So, like, like Generals came out in the 2000s era. Um, so I don't know if everything needs to be remastered. Um, it's still a pretty... I'm, I'm not going to say it's like an active franchise, but it's still a franchise that uh, I think EA has the publishing rights to, and they can just roll out more games for it. So I'm guessing they're going to wait to see how the remaster does and maybe they'll do some newer game coming out i don't know whatever command and conquer's yeah i i was i was not as big as the command and conquer as seth was but him talking about it a lot um who knows maybe i'll buy the game and uh one thing though i do like about it is just a meme i saw of uh a character from the third red alert it's tim curry's character um but it's just him going spice (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> it is. It is funny. Yeah, they they had some they had some great great actors. Um, I I really enjoyed real time strategies with the stories. Like I enjoyed the story of the real time strategy yeah. games. So like the original StarCraft story and like the Command and Conquer story and the Warcraft story. Like I like that on top of the gameplay. Like I was like I was like frustrated as a kid because i couldn't beat a map and i just wanted to know what the rest of the story was yeah fair enough um Um, well our 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 episode for today um is not about command and conquer it's also not about tom clancy games but those are two topics that we could definitely revisit because those have extensive history (laughs) they do yeah our 
topic is going to be rail shooters. Specifically arcade cabinet rail shooters, specifically rail shooters with light guns in yeah, arcade cabinets. Yeah, we're getting very down to the nitty gritty in terms of uh, our topic for today. So, uh, Zach, do you have any memories of any rail shooters? Yeah, so uh, there was an arcade that um, was in a movie theater in the town that I uh, my family moved here to, from massachusetts or seth and my family moved up here to massachusetts there was a movie theater in our town and the movie theater had uh, a few rail shooters that i really liked playing um there are three in particular um all three of which we talk about in this episode uh house of the dead it was actually house of the dead 2 time crisis 3 and also gunblade new york and it had a couple other light gun rail shooters that were a little more modern i remember it had a terminator game at one point around the time terminator salvation came out it had a uh it had like an aliens game but it was way before this was way before that the the last aliens movie came out it just had an aliens game and it had one of the cabela like big a big uh big Big hunter i think it was big 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 buck hunter i think it was big buck hunter yeah games but i used to play a lot of gunblade new york um which we'll talk about later and i also used to play a lot of time crisis with my friends um a lot of times we'd show up to the movie theater maybe an hour or so before the movie mostly because this was back when you didn't really get to reserve your spots you kind of had to just show up so we like to get there early to kind of kill time and also i like to get there early because i like to play arcade games so i'd get there early and i'd play usually time crisis or gunblade new york what about you seth uh so i actually um Especially before COVID, I actually really like uh, physical medium with my arcade games. So I like when there's like things to hold on to interact with the game, like machine guns or guns or, you know, like, uh, we, you know, steering wheels or motorcycles or something like that. Something that you can physically touch. I think it makes it for me, it's it makes that why you go to an arcade. Like the reason you go to an arcade for me is to go in and play these games on like ridiculous screens with ridiculous controllers. Yeah, because you yeah. can't get that at your house. You can't get a like a, a uh, like a race car seat that you can sit in at your house. I, I mean, you could, but um, not not for not for a dollar a game yeah it's accessible for it's accessible right uh so specifically i remember uh virtual cop and time crisis Mm. and i remember virtual cop had the gun that didn't make the noise and time crisis had the gun that made the noise because time crisis's gun would uh fly back i remember uh, i have a friend uh dave who's who's very who was very good at time crisis and we used to go and we would play uh time crisis at either the movie theater uh or i think dave and busters when we were in college and he was always very very good at the game yeah and i was not um I'm kind of more of like a blast em. You know, like the Danny DeVito meme? That's blast kind of how I play video. <laughs> yeah, that's how I play video games. Uh, I think I've said that before on this podcast. Yeah, yeah so I also really like uh, The House of the Dead. I think it's in an arcade. You can play kind of like a horror game and not be too scared because it's an arcade. So you've yeah, got like... Yeah. Like all this, like other inputs coming in from all these other games, lots of noise, lots of sound. I always, uh, arcades themselves give me a little bit of a, I I guess like an adrenaline slash anxiety rush because it's a lot of stuff going on at once. And I think that hanging out with some friends, having a beer and like just playing a shooting game uh, is is a lot of fun. Like I said, I'm not really good at them, but um, I've never professed to be good at games. So that's my memories of uh, rail shooters. Oh, specifically arcade rail shooters. Do you want to give us uh, kind of a little history on uh, the technology that the rail shooters use, the the light guns? Light guns actually are probably one of the oldest staples in, in arcade history. So they go back years. Um, some of the earliest light gun games um, got their start in the 1930s. And those early light gun games were mechanical in nature. And what they did was they utilized sensors that were put in on targets that would recognize when a beam of light would hit the sensor. So very, very rudimentary in terms of design, but innovative. 
And some one of the very first light gun games was a game released in Germany called Seaberg Ray of Light. The gameplay involved the player using the light gun itself, and they would just shoot at targets, um, specifically the back of a flying duck, which would uh, kind of rise up in the mechanical setting, and when you shot it, it dropped down. Which would would show kind of the a the origin of the name light gun, since mm-hmm. later on they did not emit an actual light. They emitted a well, they emitted light, but a light that was not perceptible perceivable by human eyes yeah well so the 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 the, actually the the way later light guns worked is kind of a slightly different method so in the 1980s light guns started to become more popular with the advent of the the home video game systems being popular and some of those early light gun games are games like duck hunt and hogan's alley and these games used a different style of light gun what what happened was that there was a sensor within the gun itself and when the gun was pointed at the screen it actually triggered one of the button presses of a of a controller and that caused the game to flash black for a fraction of a a fraction of a fraction of a second and the object that you're supposed to be shooting on would be white and that that gun is looking for that white square and that's all it's doing and when it sees that the white square is in the eye line then it allows you to get the point and it makes the change of the game in duck hunt's case the duck will drop out of the sky and the dog will pick it up and and chuckle or in hogan's alley's case you would kill the guy that you're shooting because hogan's alley is you shooting at gangsters so these were these were an incredibly popular style of game and there were light gun games that were on virtually all the consoles at that time there were some for you know sega nintendo and 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 so on and duck hunt was the game like the game that made light guns popular yeah absolutely at the home yeah like before like light guns were available for home purchase before oh and yeah like guns were in the arcades but they didn't become like and they were always popular in the arcade but they didn't become like super popular until the nintendo uh duck hunt game and i just think it's cool that it they we kind of kept the name of it being a light gun, uh, or I mean I guess the NES Zapper is called the NES Zapper, but the but like the premise of it being a light gun, even though kind of the whole technology of it emitting actual light is kind of gone. Yeah, um, and it, what's what's also cool is that the the Zapper is kind of the first time we also see a design change in these guns. So. In the older days, back with the system like the Magnavox Odyssey, which had a light gun, or some of the old Pong consoles, which had light guns for some of their you know side games and stuff they had, the guns looked like guns. Like the right. Magnavox Odyssey gun is a shotgun. It's a like black barreled brown like you know uh, loader mechanism. It has a it has a brown stock. It looks like a shotgun. And then some of the old Pong um, machines that had light gun games in them used what looked like revolvers and they were actually like a heavy plastic or even a a light metal so these things looked like real pistols but the the nintendo zapper is like a space gun it looks cool you know it uh the original one was uh was gray and in white and then they changed it to orange and white um but it looked kind of like a ray gun almost you know and and that's what the kind of the style that light guns took on um, and going into the arcades, while the guns would sometimes look realistic, they're always really brightly colored, um, yeah. which uh, really leads us into some of our some of the the rail shooters that we we talk about going forward. And I think part of the brightly colored nature was also in later editions of these games uh, to signify whether you're not your first or second player. So they would signify like everything red is first player and everything blue is second player. Yeah, and they kind of yeah. keep that distinction of color throughout other like other cabinets yeah so that you can go from cabinet to cabinet and you kind of know okay red means i'm first player and i can just pick that up and primarily first player would be on the i'm trying to think uh right side of the cabinet and Uh, second player would be on the left side yeah i think that's the traditional traditional layout is red on right and uh blue on left so there's that as well i think but then i think that's also kind of a a training to get people used to it and kind of getting uh, associated with that type of setup yeah now at the same time as these light gun games were popular on the home console there were also games that were coming out in the arcade and on the home console called rail shooters and rail shooters 
were games like Space Harrier, where you were fl- uh, in Space Harrier, you play as a guy who is like flying through. I don't even think you're flying through space. I think you're just flying through the air and you're shooting at targets, but you're being driven in one direction. You know, you're on a rail, essentially. And these two genres then com- combined. And that combination was Virtua Cop. Which was yeah. the really the one of the earliest light gun rail shooting games that that came out in the arcade. Yeah, so Virtual Cop, which uh, originally launched on the Sega Model Two system, which is an arcade cabinet, and eventually was ported to the Sega Saturn and Windows uh, ninety five and ninety seven respectively. Was instead of using two dimensional sprites like a game like Hogan's Alley, uh, the game used real time polygonal graphics that were that responded to where like that responded to where the shot was made so so you're playing virtual cop and you shoot at the enemy if you shoot them in the leg they're going to respond differently than if you shoot them in their head because they're being real-time graphics and also because it was a rail shooter you were essentially moving through a level so it felt like because you're holding a gun in your hand you're moving through the level and you're in first person perspective it felt like you were going through and living this experience almost i mean a very rudimentary way but for the time it felt pretty it felt pretty cool in virtual cop there's distinct pistols as we mentioned um in the first edition they were both brightly red and then later editions they were blue and red i i think also because the arcades are in public space i think there's some legal ramifications for making sure that guns looked not like guns yeah because there's going to be a bunch of people standing around you in virtual cop you you play as um police officer you either play as uh a Michael Hardy or a James Cools. Michael Hardy, his nickname is Rage. And James Cools, his nickname is Smarty. And the game was uh, structured so you had to go through missions shooting criminals and not shooting civilians. Because that's how things should be. You get a six-bullet pistol and you would generally have to do the reload animation so you'd have to shoot the gun off-screen so you weren't... Sh- pointing at the screen so then you would i would i would get to this motion where you like you shoot 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 and then you like you twist the wrist and you'd shoot off screen so oh, like, yeah, shoot yeah, shoot yeah. shoot and then you twist the wrist shoot 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 twist the wrist and you get like this twist the wrist motion going and like after you play the game for like an hour you're like i can't do this anymore so and the premise of virtual cop was that there was a, an illegal gun running up op- gun gun running uh gun running operation being run by a criminal syndicate named evil incorporated wow so they were evil enough so evil that they incorporated themselves for tax <laughs> <you> purposes <laughs> that's good <laughs> and the person the cop who figured out that this illegal gun run- running operation was going on found out about it and then was murdered so the police decided to make a task force to kill every criminal. It happens. And that's <laughs> um, So Michael Michael, and James uh, have to go forward and uh, kill and take down evil by killing everybody in the way. And evil is led by a man by the name of uh, Joe Fang and his followers Kong, the King, and the Boss. Wow. Before departing Virtual Cop, there was some cool things about it. It was one of the first games ever to allow you to shoot through glass, mm. which is kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, that's very since cool. Glass is easily shot through. And it was uh, one of the first games to use the Sega's graphics library operating system, along with Virtual Fighter 2 mm. was the other game that used it. So if you, th- if you look at Virtual Cop and you look at Virtual Fighter and you think they look the same, because they probably are. Yeah, they they I I've seen both games in action and a lot of the a lot of the like the 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 graphics look almost identical. Very blocky. Yeah, yeah, very very blocky. I don't think they become unblocky until Virtual Cop 3. I yeah, it almost be it was almost a like style to have the graphics be blocky too. Like people liked it. So, they probably could have made them a little less blocky, but like in 95 but like no (laughs) so yeah so virtual cop does have two sequels uh virtual cop 2 in 95 and virtual cop 3 in 2003 the premises are very similar to virtual cop 
one. Uh, Virtual Cop 2 does introduce a female character, a Janet. And Janet comes back in Virtual Cop 3. And uh, she's a, like, like a forensic investigator. And, um, but the Virtual Cop 2 is, like, evil comes back because Joe Fang's not really dead or something. And then Virtual Cop 3, the EC, and there's a new evil group called the ECM that's out there. Um, pretty riveting stuff, but it's a, I, it's a, I don't think you play these type of games for the story at the end of the day. Um, I think a basic story is pretty much all you need. I think that stems back to when we talked about these, like the different type of genres of games and how some games you play for the gameplay and some games you play for the story. Uh, these, these, all of these type of rail shooters, you're, you're playing for the gameplay. You're playing for the, for the gratification of holding a plastic gun in your hand while you shoot at the screen yeah they 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 also couldn't really have complex storylines i mean these are arcade games that you are probably playing for about an hour at the most i mean maybe if you wanted to load in a couple more quarters unless uh, you're really bad at the game unless you're really bad at it so um they 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 knew people's attention span wouldn't be um, wouldn't want them to really be focused on a storyline that was going on. But that's how you get great storylines. That's right. Like, like, like for example, uh, the storylines of Gunblade New York. But yes. we'll, we'll talk we'll about talk. Time Crisis first. Yeah, Time Crisis was originally released um, on the Namco Super System 22 in 1995. Uh, and that's also an arcade, um, that's an arcade cabinet system it was later ported to systems like the playstation and the playstation 2 and time crisis primarily used pistols that were referred to as gun cons um, which is a portmanteau of gun and controller now the gun cons that were featured in the arcade had this really cool feature and this is how you knew people were playing either virtual cop or time crisis if you walked by virtual cop you wouldn't hear any noise besides the game if you walked by time crisis you would hear loud clicking sound because the guns had a uh, blowback where whenever you shot it would uh cock back um, oh, slide back the slide would fly slide back so uh, as seth as seth noted and as i remember it was one of the ways you could tell the difference between the two games apart from reading the name on the, the right, arcade, right 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 but when you're but, a kid you're not for, reading you're not reading yeah words. exactly now when the game was ported over to the playstation the playstation 2 it did come bundled with versions of these gun cons but they did not feature this blowback feature they um they, they actually took it out because of cost-saving methods. They realized just having kind of a you know block of plastic with the, the gun mechanism in it was cheaper than and, putting in the whole mechanical blowback feature. And interestingly enough, the even though they were both, both the arcade and the PlayStation were developed um, by Namco in-house, they did not work together, the teams. The PlayStation team right. and the arcade team didn't collaborate. So the PlayStation game actually had the... Because the the G, the GPU of the PlayStation was not as fast as the Super System 22. Right. Uh, the game had its frames brought down to a slower level. Uh, there were limitations of the game so that only so many bad guys would be on the screen at the same time. Yeah. And they, like... In order to do lighting, they like individually did lighting like manually or something with like the different um, polygon. Like, yeah, the way they yeah, did the yeah, lighting yeah. was was not rendered by the system. It was instead built in. So I thought that was uh, interesting that it, it just goes to show you that like it, sometimes you don't collaborate and you actually get a subpar product comparatively to the arcade. Now, unlike Virtual Comp Time Crisis 1 was a solo arcade game, so it was only one player. In Time Crisis 2, they added multiplayer, but actually they did it through an interesting method. They didn't add a second controller. They actually added a whole second machine. They put two machines together and they linked them, and this allowed you to have a multiplayer feature. Time Crisis was... Uh, also known for having a, a pedal uh, that you could step on, and this would allow you to enter and exit cover. And if I remember playing Time Crisis correctly, I think the le- reloading was only available when you're in cover. So you actually had to duck into cover, then shoot, and then you could climb back up and you're reloaded. Yes, and if you got shot while you were not in cover, you would lose hearts. But if you got shot while you were in cover, you were not you would not lose hearts. Also, having two machines being linked together instead of having two controllers meant that two people who didn't know each 
each other could play Time Crisis by themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So that, no, that's a that's a, a nice little feature that I think it had. It was something that they took into consideration when setting up the multiplayer. So the plot of Time Crisis is also fairly simple. It's centered around a character named Richard Miller, who is a quote-unquote one-man army, and he's dispatched by an agency called VSSE. Now, VSSE stands for the vital situation swift elimination intelligence internet or international intelligence agency which is a very long name oh. he's sent to save the daughter of a president of a country called Circeo. so the the country goes through like a coup or something like that the daughter gets kidnapped and you're sent after her and the future games followed very similar premises time crisis saw five sequels as well as a few spin-offs the spin-offs included Crisis Zone, Time Crisis Project Titan, and Time Crisis Raising Storm. And Time Crisis 5 came out in 2015 and utilized the Unreal Engine, which is very cool and something I didn't realize. Yeah, it's some of these games, like, they, yes, they're coming out in, like, arcade games coming out in 2015, 2018. There's some markets that arcades are still very popular. Two of them offhand, the Japanese market, arcades are still very popular. Uh, because of gambling laws. Zach, you can explain how that works. Yeah, so from my understanding, and if anyone is more familiar with it, please send in a correction. But from my understanding, the gambling laws in Japan, at least up until recently, I think there might have been some changes, um, were very specific. So you could bet on things, but you couldn't win money. So you would go into these arcades and you would play all sorts of games, including games like Time Crisis. But you also had pachinko machines and other betting machines. And you can bet on things... And you would be rewarded with like a token or a or a gift of some form that you would actually take to a building next door or like across the street and exchange that for the monetary value of the item that you won, which was kind of a creative way to get around the law that pretty much stated you couldn't bet and win money. So you technically weren't betting and winning money. You were betting and winning something that was equivalent to money. <laughs> but there are a lot of arcades in Japan that were actually created by major companies such as uh, Sega, Nintendo, uh, Konami. All, all of those kind of major companies had stock in this kind of arcade casino setup. The other uh, relatively new larger, well, large market uh, is uh, the barcade premise where people have been realizing that they can drink and play arcade games there's no law preventing you from drinking and playing an arcade game at the same time so thank goodness <laughs> and, and someone realized that i feel like only like five years ago they, they realized that so they've been opening up arcades and also serving liquor and it's brilliant and everybody who especially uh zach and my age uh love it and um i've been to a, a few yeah to say the least yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is fun. It's great. You can just tack in tokens when you buy drinks. Uh, specifically, a, a large franchise is Dave & Buster's. Um, and Dave & Buster's has the capital to be able to buy new versions of new games as they come out uh, versus maybe your local barcade, which may just have older stuff, which is fine as well. I mean, both are great. There's 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 no there's no such thing as, well, I can't say there's no such thing as bad video games because XCOM Enforcer is a thing. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in 95, a game called Gunblade New York, uh, it, a favorite of Zachary, of Zachary and, and, and also myself, it was uh, released on the Sega Model 2B, uh, CRX arcade system and it's an upright cabinet that has two large mounted machine gun shaped weapons that uh, were pointed at the screen you could pivot the machine gun you can like swivel it around but you couldn't take it from like the mount it was like mounted into the, the cabinet yeah. itself it's actually uh really tight Oh, when, yeah, because they have two of them and they're pretty big. They're probably about a foot and change long, probably about six to seven inches wide. And uh, they're they're hefty. Yes. They and are. and they almost hit each other. That's how close they put them onto the cabinet. So the, the there's a large screen and then there's like a, a thin like like a like a bra like a mount like a mount that comes out. Yep. And then the the two guns are mounted on there, and you can. There's like a even like it's set in a way so that um, it's almost like an I beam where like it's it's wide. The the arcade cabinet is wide to hold the guns, and then it kind of goes in so you can stand next to it. Mm -hmm. And then there's a foot pedal at the bottom that you can stand on. It, well, it's not a pedal; it's like a platform you can stand on so that you can hold up to the gun. You uh, the the 
the plot of Gunblade New York is that you are um, a person killing terrorists yeah. from New York. Coming out in 95, that was an okay thing to do. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's right. And uh, you fly in a helicopter, uh, hence the. That's why it's a blade. So you have helicopter blades and you have a gun on the helicopter. It's not like you have some weird gun also blade. Yeah, yeah. It's that'd a, be cool. It's, no. <laughs> the blades of the helicopter and a gun. And you're in New York. Hence gun, blade, New York. Very, yeah. Uh, it's literally gun, blade, New York. I, I will say, now, when we we're, when we're doing some research for this game, I tried to find anything else about the plot. It was literally a sentence on everything that I went that was all the same. You know, saving New York from terrorists. It never actually says who you are. Uh, right. I assume you're police or some form of, like, of some form of, uh, you know, military. You might as well just be a guy in a helicopter with a heavy machine gun. Perhaps you are the terrorist. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> so you, you do play as either... So I watched somebody play the game on YouTube, because you can watch people play arcade, old arcade games on YouTube. You either play as a, a dude who is dressed in red, or a dude who is dressed in blue. I'm guessing, depending on which side you're on... And it's probably right red, blue le- blue left is probably how it works. That's like a political statement right there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, right uh, red. I mean, blue physically left. right. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how the, that's how the parties came to be. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Gunplay New York is a two party system. Gunplay. Gunplay that's what New Hamilton's York. about. It's about Gunplay New York. <laughs> it's about Gunplay New York. I everything in life stems back to Gunplay New York. Um, so <laughs> anyway, that, do you want to bring us into the, uh, the, the last game that is probably one of the, one of the best? Yeah. Um, so house of the dead coming out in 1996, it was released on the Sega model two arcade system and it was ported to the Sega Saturn in 1998 and windows also in 1998. The game was very similar to games like time crisis and virtual cop, but instead of shooting terrorists, this time you're shooting zombies. Pretty cool. So House of the Dead had two pistols, one red, one blue for the, you know, corresponding one two players. And later games such as House of the Dead 3 introduced uh, a shotgun controller that you had to pump to reload, and 4 had a uh, submachine gun shaped controllers. The story followed special agent Thomas Rogan who receives a distress call from the fiance of a renowned biochemist and geneticist named Roy Curian and Rogan and his partner G travel to Europe only to find it's a good name uh they they travel to Europe only to find that the town they arrive in is now overrun with the army of the undead which includes zombies and also like flying monsters and weird like snake-like creatures and stuff so again a, a very unique game because it took this whole genre that really was very uh crime and like terrorist killing centric like you know all the previous games in this in this genre were focused on fighting humans really or you know bad guys and now you're fighting monsters you're fighting zombies is thomas rogan american uh yes i believe he is (laughs) (laughs) so so the story is that this these two guys who are american get a call from a european biochemist and then they go there and the the town that they go to is overrun with the undead and their response is shoot it with pistols yes (laughs) great (laughs) it's what america's for killing zombies house of the dead is also great because it's one of those games that like uh resident evil and some of those older survival horror games when it the english dialogue is terrible and they did not focus on they translated it but they definitely did not localize it and so for the difference for those who don't know translation is simply taking something from one language and putting it into another language localizing is doing that but also making that thing have context that would make sense for people in the other country to understand the item being spoken um so if something's not localized a lot of times you have dialogue that is bad or broken in in terms of uh context so one of my favorite moments though is uh is at the beginning of the third chapter at one point you are looking at a item that is labeled security card and your character says this must be a security card (laughs) At at another part 
when you're when you're being you know when you're going through a front door to the, the this mansion that you're supposed to be going to uh one of the characters will say hey let's go in and the other character says sure why not it's the point of the mission is to go into the mansion <laughs> and the guy's like yeah well you know <laughs> so uh, uh house of the dead 2 has some even worse dialogue specifically in the sense that they got a voice actor who sounds a lot like kermit the frog when he's talking so it's just hilarious there are multiple sequels to the game five sequels the last was house of the dead scarlet dawn which came out in 2018 and saw release through seth's favorite place dave and busters and it also saw many spin-offs including the popular typing of the dead um typing of the dead is a remake of the second game house of the dead 2 and it's a typing tutor which sounds like a weird combination having a, a gun game a, a, this you know um light gun game be translated over as a typing tutor but it works out so what you're doing is you're typing words and as you type the words the the each letter acts as a bullet and when you finish typing the word it kills the monster that you just you just typed to death it also came out in arcades it did <laughs> yeah so typing of the dead came out in arcades and it had a had a modified cabinet that featured two keyboards like you know qwerty style keyboards they look like like model m you know like white ibm style keyboards that were just mounted to the arcade cabinet it also came out in the dreamcast and what's another fun thing i love typing of the dead another fun thing about typing of the dead is while it is pretty much a direct remake of the second game they do modify some of the graphics specifically your character doesn't walk around holding a gun he walks around with a keyboard that is like propped up um and it's attached to a dreamcast that is he's wearing on his back like a like a backpack uh house of the dead was also adapted into a movie in 2003 it was directed by ui bull who was a um very interesting movie director he has done a lot of movies based on video games such as far cry and postal it's a very bad movie <laughs> um I, I told seth that one of the topics that i want to cover at some point are movie games so games that were or movies that were based on video games such as like super mario brothers or street fighter or mortal Kombat or resident evil and during that i will give you my spiel about ui ball he is a bizarre bizarre director who has made a lot of very bad movies <laughs> finally there is a game that we just want to we just want to mention because we're talking about real shooters and it's not an arcade game but it's a game called pokemon snap yeah it came out in 1999 and was released on the n64 one of the greatest consoles ever yeah, uh, absolutely. and it utilizes on rails uh it's an on rails shooter though except instead of shooting the pokemon which in my opinion would have been hilarious <laughs> You take pictures of them, um, and your idea is to create a it's a it's a camera simulator. So you you go through and you play as the uh, uniquely named Todd Snap, and who is a Pokemon photographer is asked by Professor Oak to take pictures of Pokemon, um, and you travel through different locations, and you have to un like so you and you have to go through the same zone like multiple times. Um, because you unlock like different things like apples and pest like pester balls and be able to so you can like hit Pokemon with things bef- to get them to do different poses because the more unique the poses the more points you get and yeah. you need to get more of the points and you can't take the same pose twice and so on and so forth so you have to find unique po- Pokemon and they may be hiding until you throw something at them. It was originally designed as a Nintendo 64 DD, which is an ill-fated peripheral for the 64, only to be released in Japan, called Jack and the Beanstalk. And the game was probably the Jack and the Beanstalk game was probably not what Pokemon Snap came out. But once they got the Pokemon IP, they redid the game, made it Pokemon Snap, released it, and it was a success. As because Pokemon is that's a very it's, successful. It's a money maker, property. that's for sure. Uh, yeah, the um, the N sixty four DD for those who don't know is a um, it's a disc drive add on for the N sixty four, and it released in Japan and it bombed in Japan. So there were plans to bring it over to America, but the, by the time those plans were starting to become into fruition, they realized that they weren't making any money from it so there's no point in bringing it to america a lot of games that were originally designed for the 64 dd were ended up ended up being brought over to the standard n64 such as pokemon snap and games like majora's mask 
Um, just, you know, interesting little thing. Also, Jack and the Beanstalk might have been like an RPG game. It might have been completely different than Pokemon Snap, but that is its base. That's what it started out as. So, yeah. So, that's uh, our um, arcade light gun rail shooters. 3D rail shooters, as it were, really. Is yeah. That we yeah. spoke primarily about. So... Uh, Zach, what are you excited about buying, waiting, or passing on? My buy, wait, pass is going to be Serious Sam 4. It's a game being developed by Crow Team and published by our favorite publisher for Seth and me, Devolver Digital. We talk about them a lot, especially during our, our PAX episode. Uh, so Serious Sam 4, quote unquote, reignites the classic first person series in a high powered prequel loaded with an explosive arsenal, intergalactic carnage, and perfectly timed one liners. Personally, I think it's going to be a pass for me. I I have Serious Sam 3, and I have a couple of the, the early games in the franchise. They just never really struck a chord with me the same way that other early first-person shooters have. Uh, Serious Sam 3 came out a few years ago, and it just didn't really hit home for me, the, the style of first-person shooter that I traditionally like. I feel like, I feel like it's almost the kind of first-person shooter that's designed for me, but because of that... It just doesn't work. Um, you know, it's it's bombastic, it's explosive, it's, it's you know, high octane, and I love all those things. That's one of the reasons I love Doom and Duke Nukem. But it's almost like they made the perfect game for me, but it just is missing something. That, that je ne sais quoi that uh, makes me not like it. So um, I'm not a huge fan of the franchise, so I'm probably going to pass on it. But if you're a huge Serious Sam for uh, Serious Sam fan, uh, be on the lookout for Serious Sam Four. Personally, I think it looks great. It looks like a really nice game uh, in terms of graphics, and I'm sure it's going to be a fun game. And who knows if uh, if it's get great if it gets great reviews, maybe I'll give it us uh, give it a second chance. Yeah. But and it's being published by Devolver. Who, yeah, who, we love Devolver. We do, we do love Devolver, and I, I usually don't like to turn down a Devolver game, but you know, uh, currently a pass. So my um, current byweight pass is a game called Empire of Sin. So it's the time of the podcast where Seth is excited about a strategy game. <laughs> that's like that's Desperados. Uh, Desperados. <laughs> um, it's a like a third-person strategy game. This one, Empire of Sin, is uh, set as in the 1920s and puts you at the heart of a ruthless criminal underworld. Uh, being developed by Romero Games and uh, being published by Paradox Interactive, uh, Romero Games is being is led by John Romero, who is of Doom. Yep, and Brenda fame. Romero, who's his wife. And Brenda Romero, yeah. who's his wife. And she, the Romeros. Uh, she worked on games like uh, Wizardry, I believe. Which is also a great game. We yeah. should talk about Wizardry. Yeah. And so it is a third-person strategy game where you control mobsters and you have to become the best mobster around, which you can only become the best mobster by killing other mobsters. Um, the way it's got to be done. That's <laughs> how it's done. Um, it's coming out in fall of 2020, so I'm very excited. I've been looking out for this game for a long time and uh i'm excited for it to release and it will be a buy for me awesome. i like buying games yeah i don't pass on a lot of games you don't pass but... on a lot i think i feel like i pass on more games than than you do yeah i buy games but it, the, it's the objective is trying to get me to play them is the that's the trick the real that's thing that's the trick that's the trick. Maybe I'm just a negative Nelly. There's a lot of ways that you can contact us, support us, or listen to us. You can contact us by sending us an email to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. You can also go to our website and fill out the contact form where uh, it goes right to our email. In fact, now you can even send an email to classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com. And that will go, go to an email. You can, even, you can even send secret emails to seth at classicgamingbrothers.com or Zach at classicgamingbrothers.com and they will go to the corresponding brother in case you want to send secret fan mail. No, they're just going to go to the same inbox. <laughs> Every, everything just dumps in the same mailbox. Yeah. So that's a couple ways that you can contact us. You can also hit us up on our social media. We have a Facebook at Classic Gaming Brothers, an Instagram at Classic Gaming Brothers, and a Twitter at CG Brothers Pod, where we announce on both Facebook and Twitter um, when episodes drop. And you may even see when episodes drops on Instagram. And that's i i don't know it's just where things go we also uh 
you can support us by going over to Twitch and watching us on Twitch. Um, we are twitch.tv slash Classic Gaming Brothers. Uh, also, Zachary has a VS Classic Gaming Brothers, which is his his view, where we play games. They're funny. We have no schedule, so we're really bad at the Twitch. But if, if you want, you can give us a follow, and if you see us live, uh, you can... Uh, watch us. Uh, you can also head over to YouTube if you want to watch some of our older Twitch videos or listen to our podcasts on YouTube. It's at Classic Gaming Brothers for our YouTube. So you can support us by uh, liking all of our stuff, sharing all of our stuff, telling three friends, only three friends, no more, no less. Um, because if you like something, you you generally tell three people. If you dislike something, you tell much more. So tell three people and that's how it works then we know that you like us so tell three friends uh, you can also uh go to the website and you can buy a t-shirt or a mug if you're listening to this during the COVID 19 pandemic and there's a thing that says on our website that we are delayed in shipping we are we're about 25 to 30 days behind so we will take your money and then we will ship you a product eventually you never have to buy anything from us we just like it if you listen to us uh and tell people that you like the podcast if yeah. somebody's looking for uh if they have a desperate need to hear two brothers talk about video games who knows um, some people just have that uh that need that need and finally you can listen to us on where any podcasts are played so you can uh any podcasting app uh google stitcher uh spotify itunes uh acast um even directly on podbeam our website you can even listen to us at our website classicgamingbrothers.com and uh so you can listen to us there follow like subscribe do all those things engage it's great it helps us when we help you by making more podcasts and so there's that so zach is there anything else that you would like to say i don't know i'm thinking of something you know what i got it don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been zach and i've been seth and we have been the classic gaming brothers that's right. <laughs> Do we have like theme songs from like I don't know, like Virtual Cop or House the or all oh, Gunblade New York? Gunblade New York. I'll get the music from Gunblade New York. Gunblade New York, right now. What What do you think the theme song sounds like? Gunblade New York. That's it. That's it. That's it. Right there. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's a very rare moment where Seth sings something. <laughs> I know, only for Gunboy New York. <laughs> <laughs>